we are in a series called Lifted. And I was thinking about this series, and I was thinking, because I don't know about you, but whenever you talk to people, whenever you're um, whenever you hear music or you see things or you're just talking to someone in your normal day, don't you talk about like what's going on in your life or like the things that you're facing? Yeah, yeah. That's how I preach. So <laughs> I don't know, like everything always kind of goes along with what I'm thinking and what I'm going through. And I think it's, it can be really relevant to everyone else's life because I'm a real human. So um, hopefully this can relate to you too. Whenever I was thinking about this series, I was thinking about, man, there's got to be more than this. And I don't know if you've ever had that thought, whether it's in a situation or a circumstance in your job and your relationships. I don't care what it is. You could be in traffic, okay? But you, you have the thought of like, there's got to be more than this. There has to be something beyond this, or it's got to get better, or there's got to be more. Have you guys ever thought that before? Yeah. yeah? Like, it's like, Almost, I think, for me, sometimes a survival tactic <laughs> so that I don't go crazy or quit. Um, but, like, I'm not a quitter, so it's not going to happen. But still, at the same time, it just keeps me going. But I started thinking about this, and that's what the title of my message is tonight, is There's More Than This. So I think a lot of times in life, we can think about our life in the perspective of now or even in the past. But what would happen if we looked at our life in the context of eternity? I don't think we do that very often. I don't know about you, but I remember this one time I was at a Dry Gulch camp. Have you guys ever heard of Dry Gulch? Okay, so I used, I used to go to Dry Gulch, and um, it was interesting. My mom always ziplocked all my outfits in certain days that said, like, certain days. I don't know. It was weird. But um, they had pancakes on a stick, so it was worth it. And... Um, so I was at Dry Gulch one time, and I got in a fight with my sister. And usually when I got in a fight with my sister, I wasn't like, I'm mad at you. It was like I was punching her. It was physical. Um, and so I remember my camp counselor, and I'll, I'll never forget this, okay? My camp counselor, she was sitting there. She brought us out on the porch, which if you were cool, your, like, little area had a porch, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about. If you ever went to Dry Gulch, it had, like, a little porch area. So she brought us out on the porch, and she was like, Think about this. When you're old and you're walking on a cane and you're a granny, is this moment going to matter? And I was like, yes. <laughs> but then really I was like, no, it's not going to matter because I don't even know today what we were fighting about. I just know that I was aggressive and I needed to stop. But I will never forget that because so many times in my life, Sometimes successfully and sometimes not successfully, I've thought that to myself. Maybe not about like the granny scenario, but I've thought like in five years, in 10 minutes, in three days, is this going to matter? And I think a lot of times it's hard to focus on maybe eternity, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you with that tonight. But could we focus on like the next day? Like is this going to matter tomorrow? Is this going to matter next week? And I think if we start doing that, me included, it's really going to help us, all of us, right? Because we're not going to be so consumed in the moment. So C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis. He's kind of like a Christian Shakespeare. I don't know. He's confusing, but he's so smart that he's confusing. But one of, one of his uh, quotes says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. 
It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. Aim at heaven and you'll get a little earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. So you guys pretty much get what that means, right? So if you want to do something great for God, which hopefully if you're sitting here, you do. Um, you might not know what that looks like, but in your heart, you're like, I want to do something great for God. Or maybe you're just at the point that you want to do something great for yourself, and that's fine right now. But if we are so focused on right now, you're never going to get to do something great because all you're going to get is right now. And sometimes we have those friends in our life, or maybe we've been those people that we say are our friends and stories, you know, and we live the same life over and over. We have the same breakup over and over. We go out with the same guy over and over. We go out with the same girl over and over. We have the same job situation happen with the same boss over and over. Not the same boss, but the same type of boss. And we wonder what's the problem. Well, Pastor Keith always says, wherever you go, there you are. And if you're so focused on right now and you never think about what's beyond and you never get beyond right now, you're never really going to get something beyond right now. And sometimes we're so frustrated and we're like, why can't I find a good man? Why can't I find a good woman? Why can't I find a good boss? Why can't I find a good job? Why can't I find this, 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 this? And a lot of times the answer is we are not that person yet or we're not focused on that so we're not attracting that. Most of the time, just some relationship advice that I've learned uh, through my life is you attract, usually um, if you're hurt, you attract things that'll hurt you. But if you're healed, you'll attract things that challenge you. And sometimes we wonder why we go through dysfunctional relationship after dysfunctional relationship, and it's probably because you're not healed, so you're not attracting the right types of people. It's a lot to ponder, but that's just something I've learned. Side note, that was just free. So, um, All we think about and are consumed with is right now and right here a lot of times in our life, me included. And the really basic statement about that is, am I really going to get what I want? That's what we're worried about. Am I going to get what I want? And what I'll tell you is something that I'm trying to learn is to stop being so immature. I'm almost 30, <laughs> and I'm still trying to stop being so immature. Because it's an immature thought process to think, am I going to get what I want? It's a mature, pro mature thought process to think, am I going to be able to give what God wants me to give? Does that make sense? There's like a different direction with both of those. So uh, I feel like there's a lot of times things that are going on in my mind and the Bible talks a lot about the mind, and I'm not going to go into all of it tonight, but if we're thinking about right now, and we're consumed with right now, or we're thinking about the past, what you don't often realize is what consumes your mind controls your life. So if you're consumed with your present circumstance, if you're consumed with the present, if all you can see is right here, okay, which I don't know if you've ever seen somebody walk through a crowd on their phone, unless you're really talented, they run into things, or they're like, uh, 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 you know. Don't drive and text. I know we all do it. Don't do it, okay? It's dangerous. I don't know how sometimes some of us get home. You're like, I was on my maps. No, you weren't. That's just what you would have told the cop. You were on Instagram. <laughs> don't lie. But you think about even stuff like that, like, is that one post looking at worth the rest of your life? Like, we could apply that to other areas of our life. Is, is me feeling this way? Is me focused on this? Like, is that worth it? 
for the rest of my life or for the rest of this scenario. And that's something that like I'm really dealing with internally is going, God, help me to have an eternal perspective. Like you guys realize that we are like humans and we're made out of flesh. And our flesh is always at war with our spirit. And your default, if you're wondering, you're like, what is the flesh? It's not your skin, okay? It's not the largest organ on your body. It's not that, your skin, which if you didn't know. Um, but it is actually your default that is your flesh. It's the things that you lead yourself to do that you don't want to do <laughs> that's your spirit. So if you're ever wondering, like, am I in the flesh? You know, I've heard a lot of, like, really spiritual Christians say that. You're, you're so in the flesh. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but if you are in your default, which everyone knows what a default is, right? Like default setting, default whatever your go-to is. If you're in that, you're in the flesh, and you're not in the spirit. And there's no way you can have an eternal mindset with an earthly flesh mindset at the same time. There. Like, one's going to win, okay? So, this is really challenging. So, this is a hard message for me, and I'm preaching it because it's true, and we all need it, okay? So, what we do during our life on earth determines what is possible for eternity. I saw this example. I don't know if you guys know who Francis Chan is, but he had this rope, okay? And it was like a really long rope. I'm not good at measurements. It was long. And he had the rope on stage, and it was like a lasso. We're, we're country people because we're in Texas, not really. But, you know, it was like a lasso-type rope, right? And he showed like an inch of the rope that was black. And he said, a lot of times we think that this rope is our life, right? And the black part is eternity, but it's actually the opposite. You were not created just to live on the earth. The majority of your life is going to be spent not on this earth. And for some of us, our brains just went like the emoji. <laughs> like if you think about that, like that kind of is scary. <laughs> what you do with this inch on earth determines what's possible for eternity. Like I am scared about that. Like in a, I'm not saying that in an unhealthy way, in like a good way of like going like, God, I want to get it right. I want to set myself up to be successful for the rest of my life because my life and what it looks like right now is not going to be my life forever. Like there, That's the thing that separates us, if you didn't know that, from any other religion, any other belief, is we actually have a purpose that's beyond this life. You're not just going to go chill in a mansion for the rest of your eternity, even though you might have one. Who knows? I want a crown. But <laughs> you have a purpose that goes beyond this realm, for those of you that like that word. I watch a show that talks about realms. I can't remember the name of it right now. <laughs> but it has to do with uh, fairy tales. And I can't remember it. So if you remember it, you can yell it out at me. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> I was like, it's with the, oh, that's all I remember. Once upon a time, yeah, realms. So you think, like, if any of you guys have seen that show, if you haven't, just hang, hang with me for a second. There's like different versions of yourself in different realms, and it's very confusing. But there's only one version of yourself. And if you think, if you've seen that show, just hang with me for a second. There's only one you, but it's affecting every other realm forever. So you can either be the good character, the hero, or you can be the one that no one really remembers that they killed off. Right? That would, that would be kind of scary. But as Christians, we often refer to eternity as forever, 
or for all time. But those aren't exactly accurate descriptions of eternity because words like forever and phrases like all time, despite the extended length of time they describe, still describe time. Does that make sense? So to say, this was blowing my mind, so I just, this is why I said this message is hard because it's like challenging for my brain. I don't, I don't math, so I have to ask God for help for a lot of things. So to say forever and for all time suggests that there is a start and an end. But eternity is like, does that make sense? Like, so for all time, forever is like a timeline. That's a visual for me. But eternity is like, okay. <laughs> okay, get it, get it, maybe, okay. Um, thank you, thank you. Okay, so you might have to ask God for help on that one because our brains are only as big as they are and all of them don't work. It's undiscovered, maybe it does, I don't know. But eternity is outside of time. Eternity is timelessness. So eternal is much deeper than just forever. So a lot of times we can only think of, because it only works in our brains this way, as forever. So if you have to stay there, it's okay. I'm not going to make you, like, change, but just know that there's something beyond that. Okay, so <laughs> Deuteronomy 33:27 says, the eternal God is your refuge, underneath, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will drive out your enemies before you, saying, destroy them. So in this verse, I want to focus on that it says the eternal God is our refuge eternal outside of time. God experiences, okay, just hang with me here because this is another thing that's confusing. God experiences all the separate and distinct moments of my life in an instant. Okay, because he's outside of time. So he experiences my past, present, and future instantaneously. Okay, just, just hang on with me. He's not bound by time. So by the time I experience my future, God will have already seen it and experienced it with me. So sometimes we're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm here and I'm there and I've also been there, so I'm ready. He's like omnipresent. What's the other word? Omni, omnipotent. There's another one. Omniscient. There's a lot of omnis. So basically, he's everywhere all the time. He's not bound by time. So if he was bound by time, that would mean that he has to be created. He's the creator. So he created time. Does that make sense? Does that help some of us? Okay. So just hang with me because I'm going to make this relatable in a second. I just wanted to give some context. So John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out, snatch them out of the Father's hand and I and the Father are one. So an eternal perspective views a much larger picture than the one we see in our daily lives. It's forward focused. An eternal perspective helps us to focus on things that transcend time, like God, grace, mercy, love, faith, and hope, instead of losing ourselves in current circumstances. So an eternal perspective also assures us that God has a reason for the things he does, the things he allows, and the answers he gives, even when we will never understand the reason in our time. 
So an eternal perspective helps us because sometimes we could be like, God, why would you allow that? We don't sometimes get to see it play out, but it has an eternal effect, an eternal perspective, an eternal meaning, okay? So I don't know about you, but I often struggle with focusing on the eternal because I sometimes have a hard time even grasping what it is. I get caught up in what's going on around me, and I often think about what's happening today, and I don't think about that today has any kind of eternal effect. In some sense, everything that I do and everything that you do will have an eternal effect, but we little think of the things, like we most of the time think of the little things that won't even stand the test of time. Like we're so focused on something that really is not going to matter. And the Bible talks about that over and over again, and I'll get to some of those scriptures. But if you look at it, really a lot of times the Bible points us to moving forward, focusing forward, which is really the majority of what we are able. And I'm not saying, you guys are all smarter than me probably, okay? So, like, I'm just trying to come at you from, like, a normal person, normal perspective. Like, I really, the best I can do with understanding eternity right now is going, is it moving me forward? And if it's not moving me forward, and if I'm not going forward with my emotions, with my choices, I really need to work on it. Because if I'm not moving forward, I'm not really being productive, and I'm not really going to be able to do something great for God. Because even though God is everywhere all the time, he works now. And now just pass. And then now. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like now happens like all the time. It's over and over again. So you got to be moving forward. So if my mind was focused on the next, would I watch as much TV as I do? Would I care who's on The Bachelor or who won the World Cup? Would I care about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight? Or if a cute guy or girl is going to be at Young Adults tonight? You got to ask yourself those questions. In Proverbs 5, 1 through 2, it says, My son and daughter, stay focused. Listen to the wisdom I have gained. Give attention to what I have learned about life so that you may be able to make sensible judgments and speak with knowledge. So by staying focused on even like what we've been given, the information we're given in the Bible, the information we're given from leadership, from church, okay, whenever you come to church, if you stay focused on those principles, on those ideas, on those things that you can grasp, it's going to help you to make great calls, great sensible judgments in your life, and also sound smart, speak with knowledge. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says, Let your eyes look directly ahead and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Forward. Okay. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So what that tells me is to the right or to the left or back is not from God. So if we want to know in ourselves, are we going towards eternity? Are we focused on something bigger than myself? It's forward. Does everyone get where I'm going? Okay, so stop and think right now in yourself. All that you've done today. Some of you guys have worked. Some of you guys have had a hard day. Some of you guys have had a great day. Some of you were in school. I don't know. We have a lot of different variables here. Just think about everything that happened today and how much of it has an eternal focus. How much of how you reacted is going to contribute to the eternal? That's how you know what you need to mature in. That's how I know the things I need to grow in because if it's not contributing to my future, to the forward, I can usually cut it out, right? So focus on your purpose, not your problem. If you're focused on your purpose, it's going to move you forward. If you're focused on your problem, it's going to 
do other things, right, left, back, right? So when you stay focused on your purpose, purpose and not your problem, you can be happy even when life seems to be falling apart. Have you ever known somebody like that? Or have you ever been in that kind of situation where your life is not where you want it to be and people are like, I am so sorry. And you're like, I'm fine. You're, people are like, are you sure you in denial? You're like, no, I'm, I'm good. Those are the people that have the foundation of knowing that God's got them, that he's moving them forward, that he's going to like take them to a place of purpose. Paul, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Paul, but he wrote like a lot of the Bible. Okay. So when Paul was an old man, he was in prison in Rome. He was a long way from home and he was awaiting execution. Everything had been taken from him, his friends, his freedom, his ministry, and even his privacy. He had a guard chained to him 24 hours a day. It wasn't exactly a happy time for Paul, okay? But there was one thing that he knew that they could not take away from him, and that was his purpose. Paul made the choice to stay focused on his purpose even when he had lost everything else. What was his purpose? His purpose was serving God by serving others. And isn't that what God's called all of us to, is to serve others? So if you don't know that, the way that you are actually able to fulfill your purpose is ask yourself, Am I serving others? And I'm not talking about what you get paid for. I'm not talking about the things that you get followers for or whatever we want in today's world. Are you serving others just for the sake of serving God? Because if you're doing that, there's going to be a purpose that's added to your life that nothing else can add. There is like a, a significance that comes in your life when you start serving and I'm not even talking about, like, yes, serve at the church. Find a place to serve. But I'm talking about serving your family, serving your friends, serving your boss, going above and beyond. That's serving God. It doesn't matter if someone ever says Jesus. It's you having the thought process of, I'm going to go beyond myself and do something that's greater, that's more. Does that make sense? So... In Luke 9:23 it says, "And he said to everyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me." You know, the cross in this scripture is talking about our lives and the eternal call or perspective that we have. So you're taking what you have, what God's given you, and you're going to go live for something and someone that's beyond yourself. So God's given you a purpose, okay? Think about what the cross represents. People wear it as jewelry now, but it was a it was a torture device. That's like us wearing like an electrical chair. That's weird. Like, I'm just saying, like, think about that for a second. Like, that's like, oh, I got a guillotine around my neck. Like, that's strange. But why, why do we wear crosses? Because it's a symbol of sacrifice and redemption. Does the cross that you carry represent anything? Because that cross wasn't about Jesus. It was about us. And that's why we wear it. That's why we talk about the cross is because it represents that he loved us so much that he gave everything. That's exactly what our life is supposed to look like. God, you love me so much and I love you so much that I'm going to take this cross and I'm going to give you everything. So I'm going to carry this weight that maybe other people aren't going to carry, but I'm going to carry this eternal perspective of going, God, and I'm going to move forward with you and I'm going to, I'm going to trust you as I carry this weight that maybe no one else will ever carry around me. So I hope, I know that that's kind of like deep, but I hope that you can grasp that in your life. Because if you're not carrying something that someone's not paying you for or that someone didn't tell you to carry, I don't know if you're doing something great for God. 
Because usually doing something great looks like paying a price, carrying something, doing something that other people aren't doing. Okay, so Viktor Frankl, has anyone ever heard of like the Holocaust? Some people don't believe it actually happened, but it did. So a man named Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychiatrist who was taken to one of the death camps in Nazi Germany. All of his family and all of his friends were gassed and murdered. He talks about in his book about how one day when he stood in front of the, the Gestapo, Stark, he was completely naked. They had taken away all the prisoners' clothes, and they had even taken away Viktor Frankl's wedding ring. He stood there with nothing at all, and he suddenly realized in that moment that there was one thing that the Nazis couldn't take away from him, his choice and how he would respond. That's kind of challenging. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but sometimes it takes God allowing things to be taken away from us when we can actually realize that we have authority in God to choose our response, to choose faith, to choose God's power, to actually involve God in our life. So you can't control what other people do, and you can't even control what other people, you can't control what people do to you, and you can't control what people do around you, but you can control how you respond to it. And there's a secret that many people overlook. Paul, however, understood it and wrote about it in the Bible a lot. Jesus practiced it daily and taught it to his disciples. The discipline of maintaining a fixed focus on God is the secret. Now, why did I say a discipline focus? Because it's not your flesh. It's going to take effort. Because to stay focused on God means you're moving forward. Because even though God works in the past, it's not a place of residence. It's a reference point. Your future is where he wants to take you. And beyond the future is eternal. So, but we got to get future focused first, right? So, uh, staying focused on God happens when we choose to respond right in life. How do we respond right in life? We involve God in everything. If God's involved, you're probably going to end up in a good position. If you're doing it in your own strength, if you're doing it in your own wisdom, you're going to get what you're capable of. But if you involve God, there's a higher chance that you're going to like the outcome. So Colossians 3, 2 through 3 says, Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and you have, your life has been hidden with Christ and God. So Peter, we all know this story. We've heard it so many times in church. But I want to show you the opposites here. So Peter practiced his, his faith, okay, in many ways. But we see on the Sea of Galilee that his faith was shaken by raging waves in a storm, right? You guys have heard this story. He's on the boat with Jesus. Everyone's heard this story, right? So Peter's on the boat with Jesus and all the disciples. They're headed somewhere, and there's a storm that comes, and basically Peter starts freaking out. Jesus is sleeping, and, and he wakes Jesus up. And, but the truth is, is that we can look at that story, and we can think, well, why was, why was Peter doing that? We are just like Peter. We start out being focused on God. We know that he's with us, only to forget about him in our current circumstance when it seems to be overtaking us. When this happens, we experience feelings like insecurity, fear, anxiety, and anger. And these feelings and reactions only come when God's not in the picture. You see, God can be right there with you, but if you don't acknowledge him, that's when those things happen. So I'm not faulting you if you've ever experienced insecurity, anger, fear, anxiety, depression. Those are things that are results of if you haven't involved God. That doesn't mean that you're a failure. That just means, that just means you need to involve God. Does that make sense? So if it was, that, those should be like indicators in our life. Okay, I need to involve God. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. Focusing on the troubles of your life only diverts your attention away from God. But apart from Jesus, nothing has the power to heal what is hurting or to correct what's been damaged. You can, you can try to cover it with alcohol. You can try to coat it with drugs. Nothing is going to do anything to actually heal you except for the power of Jesus. And we have to recognize that he's with us. You see, it's really easy to get focused on the temporary things because they're right in front of our face. And I'll get back to the, the Peter story in just a second. But I want to remind you of a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Does anyone like tennis? No? Cool. Well, one. There is this lady. There's this lady named Steffi Graf, and she's arguably the best women's tennis player of all time. Now, you can like Serena and stuff, whatever. I'm just going by what I was told here. But basically, she was asked what was the secret to her game. She didn't hesitate, and she told the reporters, I keep my eyes fixed on the ball. She went on to explain that her concentration was refined, it was so refined while she was playing that she could even see the lettering of the company that had made the ball. So neither the movement of the, or the reaction of the opponent, the crowd, affected her game. It was her focus that was fixed on the object that was her, her secret to success. So I want to ask you, what is the focus of your life? Because if it's serving Jesus, then you will ultimately experience victory instead of defeat. You'll experience spiritual growth instead of staying in the same place or going backwards. You see, we don't need to focus so much like we naturally do on our enemies. We need to focus on God's possibilities. The reason why Peter's thoughts betrayed him or his faith betrayed him when the storm came is because his focus was set on himself and his surroundings. And how often does that look like us? He felt the power of the storm and the sea, and his mind gave in. Panic swept over him, and because he had taken his eyes off of Jesus, which he should have freaking understood that the power was in the boat with him. You see, even on an earlier trip across the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had proven that he was in control of the elements. So why did Peter doubt Jesus' ability? How many times in your life has God showed up, but then something else happens and you start doubting? One reason is because he was clearly a slow learner, and so am I. We fail to grasp the spiritual lesson that God is faithful. When you face life's difficulties, keep your eyes on God because he's the one that holds the course steady, and he will complete the vision and bring it to pass in your life. In 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, Faithful is he who calls you, and he will bring it to pass. God is faithful in every season. He's already seen the season, and he's going to see you through. Even when you're victorious, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and honor him for being faithful because that's what gets our focus right. True faith is keeping your eyes on God when the world around you seems to be falling apart. If you can't keep your focus on God in times that are good, you're not going to be able to do it when times are bad. So it has to become a discipline in our life. Making God the focus in our life will free us from worry and doubt and we can rest in the fact of knowing that God's going to take care of our every need. But that doesn't mean that we don't take action. Paul says not to look at temporary things, even while in prison, about to be killed. And I'm closing. In Philippians 3, 12 through 16, he says this in prison, okay? I got to see the prison, and I actually filmed a message for staycation. I don't know if it's going to play or anything, but like... I was so moved by his story because I've read the Bible. I've read books that he's written, but I didn't realize that three of the, 
the largest, most inspirational books he wrote was while he was in prison about to be killed, and he knew he was going to be killed. Like, what does your life look like <laughs> when it's at its worst? Are you, are you inspiring people, encouraging people, or are you looking at your situation? So he says this while in prison. Not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ in Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal it so also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So there's three parts of the scripture, and I just want to break it down, and I'm ending. Number one, forget what lies behind. The first half of this is the first thing that Paul does. Forget what's behind. He's seen the miracles. He's seen the people come to, to God. He's seen, he's seen the power of God work in his life, and he spends the last part of his life in prison. Where was God then? He was using him to write inspiration and transformation so that we could sit here even today and talk about this story. You see, now he has the eternal perspective, and even then he was fighting for it. So as Christians, we're called to forget anything and everything that stops us progress forward, our past wins and our past defeats. The next part is, is not that I have already obtained this, that this seems to be practical righteousness or spiritual maturity, and then he goes on to say, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Paul seems to be saying here, whatever strides I have made, whatever ground I've covered, I don't consider myself done running. There's more race to run. Until you're dead, there's still more race to run. No matter what's happening in your life, no matter how hard you've been hurt, no matter what the doctors have said, no matter, no matter what's happening in your life, God still has a purpose for you, a plan for you, and he's moving you forward. Don't let the enemy lie to you just because the storms are big. Because Jesus is with you. God's on your side. We just have to access his power and involve him in our situation. So remember, when he says this in Rome, he's in prison. He's already lived what we've read about in the book of Acts. He's already been on three missionary journeys. He's attained a lot, miracle after miracle, convert after convert, church plant after church plant. And he knows he's still not done. The third and last thing is with Christ and God living in us, he, he is before us as our goal. We're following in Jesus' footsteps, hopefully, trying to be like Jesus, which, what did Jesus do? He loved people. And it was his compassion that made room for miracles. Are you living a life like that? Because it's possible to reach the finish line, but we have to do the work. We, like, have to choose to love other people, even when they're unlovable. And, like, what I will tell you is that's probably one of the hardest things you're going to do in your life. I've forgiven in my life really unforgivable things. I remember in my life whenever I was probably about 11, okay, and some of you guys know my story, but I like to bring it back to this because when you're 11, it's a hard thing to process. So I was sexually molested, and then there was a pedophile that was in our church that watched me that basically went after me whenever I was 11 in the same time. And I remember going through my life, and I was like, how does this happen? Like, my parents are the pastors of the church. I love God. I'm in the right atmospheres. God, why would you let this happen to me? And as I grew up and actually like faced temptation, I was able to understand what had really happened. God started leading me to forgive those people. I started praying for those people, which the Bible talks about, pray for your enemies. That doesn't mean focus on them and obsess about them and look at their Instagrams, but what that means is pray for them and release them to me. So I started asking God to, to bless them 
to, to heal them, to forgive them, and I forgave them. And you know what that ended up letting me do? That let me move forward. So I didn't move on in my life as someone who's dysfunctional and messed up. Do I still have to deal with stuff and residue? Yeah. But it's forgiving the unforgivable that shows you how much power and authority you have in God to make things happen. Because unforgiveness only hurts you. And it takes me a while to work through things. If you're in my life, you know that about me. Because if I'm gonna say I'm sorry, or I forgive you, I really wanna mean it. But sometimes I have to work on getting past feeling it and taking the action so then I'll feel it. And I'm still working on that, and maybe you are too. And sometimes that's maybe forgiving yourself for how you've lived even before you walked in these doors or how you lived in the past or what you've done to other people. God loves you exactly where you are, but it's our choice to move forward that endears God to us. Do you know that God loves all of us the same, but he's endeared to us differently? It's just true. It's not like he chooses favorites, but think about if you were a child that was always cleaning your room, your parents are like, what do you want? You want some money for the movie? And your other sibling who didn't do it, they're like, you're, you're grounded. <laughs> do you guys get what I'm saying with that? So God can be endeared to you based on how you love him back. Now, he doesn't need you to love him back. He's going to love you either way. But I want God to be endeared to me. I want God to not just bless me, but put favor on my life. And so, 2 Corinthians, I just want to remind you of this, and I'm going to pray for you. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are ever-changing, but the things that are unseen are eternal. How many of you like me, and sometimes I have us close our eyes, but most of the time I don't because I think we're all adults and we can just talk together. But how many of you like me want to have more of an eternal perspective? I'm raising my hand. I want to be more mature. I want to handle things better because you know what happens when we do that? We're able to be greatness in the earth. And we're able to set up greatness for eternity with God. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. And if you're not saved tonight, if you, don't, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have to work for that. All you have to do is receive that. And if that's you tonight, we're gonna pray together and we're gonna, we're gonna repeat a prayer all together and you can receive Jesus in your life tonight. But what I want you to not get confused is that God loves you exactly where you're at tonight. And that gift of salvation that he has for you is free. You don't have to do anything for that. All you have to do is say, I love you back. But what I'm talking about is doing something beyond that to say, God, I receive your love, but I want to show other people your love. I want to do something great that means something on this earth so that I can do something great in eternity that means something in eternity. So tonight, let's all pray this together. I don't care if you close your eyes, bow your heads, but we're all going to pray it together just like we're talking to God. So if you're one of those people that you want to receive Jesus in your life, this moment's for you. And then I'm going to pray for everybody who raised their hands after. So everyone say this with me. Say, God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for loving me, for choosing me. And now I choose you back. Forgive me of any mistakes I've made. Come into my heart transform my life from today forward I receive your love in Jesus name 
And God, I thank you for every single person that raised their hand. And if you raised your hand, if you would just open up your hands like this, I know that that's weird, but just like this. Like you're receiving something, and I'm going to do it too, because I need it. So God, I just thank you that you see us here tonight. That we are people that are sitting here before you saying, help us. Help us to have an eternal perspective. God, to not get caught up in things that don't matter. But that, God, we would stay focused on what matters most. And those are the things that are moving us forward. God, I speak wisdom and knowledge and understanding, divine favor with you and divine favor with men over our lives, that it just wouldn't be for the sake of us getting great things or doing great things, but that we would pick up our cross, that we would pick up the weight of the call and the purpose that you've put on our life, and God, that we would move forward in such a way that other people can follow, that God, the life that we live would mean something in eternity, that it would mean something in your kingdom, that God, as we've already received your salvation, God, we don't have to keep doing that. All we have to do is continue to strive to move forward when we fail, that, God, we can get back up. And so, God, I pray that if anyone feels like they're, they're down or feels like they've been pushed down or they're hurt or they're beyond repair, that, God, you would lift them up. It says in the Bible that you're the lifter of our head. God, I thank you that also in the Bible it says that you turn our ashes into beauty, that, God, you take our failures and you turn them into a crown as long as we just get back up. So God, I thank you that right now, even in the spiritual realm, God, that we can't even see that you're placing crowns on people. That God, you're making beautiful things out of the things that we never thought would be usable in your kingdom. And that God, as we choose today to pick those things up and move forward, that God, you're gonna give us that eternal perspective. That you're gonna give us the insight into the kingdom that we never could have had on our own. And that God, we would grow, that we would mature, that we would move forward in such a way that other people could follow us to find you. God, we thank you for it, and I thank you that nothing that the enemy could do, no intimidation, no lies, no fear, no anxiety, nothing from the past that he would try to bring up can come near these people in Jesus' name, that they are covered. That, God, you're going to send angels to go next with them, God, in every situation, God, in their car, at their job, when they're with their families, God, in their marriages, in their situations, God. You know everywhere that they're going to walk, every place that they go in their mind. And I just pray that you would go before them, that you would prepare the way, and that we would walk in victory like never before so that we can know that there's not just something beyond this. But, God, you have greatness for us in every moment as we move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.